And welcome back to another episode of Producer Grind Podcast. Carrington and JB with me. Yo. Good. We got Rico Brooks in the building. What's good, bro? What's up? Let's go with it. Shoot, man. Just happy to be here. You know, happy to be alive. What a time to be alive. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we definitely appreciate you pulling up. Uh, this is our first, you know, interview with an actual manager, you know, yep. um, producer manager, artist manager. Um, so definitely, like I said, thank you for pulling up. Uh, appreciate you having me. Already, already. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we definitely uh, we definitely want to use this as a, um, a way to really clear up a lot of the common um, questions and misconceptions that, you know, the, the community at home, you know, has about uh, managers and what exactly their role is and stuff like that. Yep. Um, so, you know, we definitely pulled a lot of uh, questions from the community. Uh, okay. So shout out to everyone that, you know, dropped a comment on our um, IG post and everything. Um, but like I said, yeah, we got a whole bunch of those questions. But uh, first, we want to just kind of like start and uh, find out a little bit more more about you and, you know, your journey to success and where you are today. Yep. And um, I guess my first question is, what was like your first like either dream or job or experience, you know, in, in the music industry? Actually, um, I started, I was kind of like born in the music, uh, coming from the South, from Albany, Georgia. Like my uncles were DJs. So my uh, my mother and grandfather, they were heavy into the church. So I had to go to church like every Tuesday and whatever, Sunday. And uh, and then we had Bible study at the house. So we were always around music and gospel music. I actually sang in the choir when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. So all I grew up around music. That's all I knew. My mom, she played music around the house too. So I was basically like, I've considered myself born into music. Um, not like the music business, but born into music. So, and then, so been around that influenced me and I just fell in love with it at an early age you know um then we want to keep going then we can get yeah, to yeah. like <laughs> uh I, after I graduated from high school uh from Albany Georgia I moved to Atlanta went to Atlanta Metropolitan College which is now Atlanta uh state I think it's Atlanta Metropolitan State College mm-hmm. um and then once I graduated from there I have an associate in history I transferred to Morehouse I have a BA in history from Morehouse and then after that, this is when it really got real because mom was like, hey, it's time, your turn to pay the bills now. Right, and so right. I was like, cool. <laughs> I was like, what could I do? You know, and I um, I wanted to go to, I was going to go to like grad school at Howard, um, study like African-American studies. I was a history major at Morehouse. And that summer I just got a job working at a record store. And this was just like when you're... Uh, like when my passion met my like, I was like, oh, wow, I could see a way that I could really make a living doing this or something I really was passionate about, something I really wanted to do. So I started working at the record store. Shout out to Carl for hiring me. Uh, Carl Harris gave me the job at Greenbrier Mall. <laughs> I just was like there. Started reading like Billboard magazine, started reading the liner notes, the CDs, uh, meeting people like Goody Mall was just like coming up at this time, Outcast. So Goody Mob had their in-store at Greenbrier Mall. You would see all the guys coming through, walking mm. through the mall. You might see Criss Cross running through there. They had a store there? Yeah. Well, Peppermint Music did. So I worked at a record store. And we had stores in, like, all the urban centers in the in the malls. Like, we had one in South DeKalb. We had one at West End Mall and one in Greenbrier. And so um, I started off as a third key. Then I migrated from third key, third key to, like, uh, I, think, I think, what was it? Third key to, like, uh, I actually, sorry, sales associate to third key, third key to assistant manager, assistant manager to manager, manager to district manager. So I was over like seven stores in the Atlanta, metropolitan Atlanta area. And, you know, so I really got into it and I started meeting like these cool people, Um, met people like Dan Brown, you know, he had Bone Crusher coming up, Vince Phillips. So we 
we uh, helped position them to get to get deals. And then I met uh, Block Russell Spencer. This is really what like thrust me into it because Block had this group, Boys in the Hood. You know, that's Young Jeezy was in the group, Jody Breeze, right. Duke, and um, and um, Big E. And so um, he's like, "Hey, I want you to manage this group." And so started working with them. And I was like, this is it. You know, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Were you and thinking like the manager route before that or was it kind of just... No, I just knew I was good at managing people because, and I was good at customer service. So when I was in college, I, st- I had a customer service. I started work. I was working at Kroger bagging groceries, right? right. And so what bagging groceries, then I became like a, 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 so- a supervisor. What it taught me was customer service. Like, so like when a old lady comes in and her eggs are crushed and she's like <laughs> devastated. Like her day is like, I'm like, no, ma'am, I got you. Hey, run back there and get another batch of eggs. And I made her day, you know? Mm-hmm. So I learned how to like make people happy. Yeah. And um, that transferred over to management. So I was good at like managing people um, and supervising people. So uh, I just transferred those skills over. And then when I worked at the record store, becoming being like a district manager, you have to like motivate people. You have to like incentivize them like you have to like move them you have to push them to do better mm. and I like I took those skills and I transferred them into the management when I started managing acts you know it's a little different because you know like you're actually dealing with someone's career you know somebody who's working at a at a record store they're just like man I'm just here while I'm in college man I'm, I really don't you know you don't have to give me this big spill you know but some of the guys I want to push them to, to do better like hey sell more CDs or do whatever I need you to do, leave the store nice and neat. Um, but I try to transfer some of those skills over to artist management. And right. some of it worked real well because some people had like horrible um, customer service, you know, like they wouldn't get back to people, not follow through um, presentation stuff I learned in college, like how to put a plan together. Cause I had met a lot of cool guys like who were very talented, but they didn't have know how to put their ideas on paper and present them to like a distribution company or a record label or even put a marketing plan together. So I'll put these plans together, present them to these street guys and they would love it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from Boys in the Hood, um, you know, the success of Jeezy kind of was the demise of Boys in the Hood. Then I, can't, I went with Block, signed Young Jock. So I did Young Jock for two years, uh, Grammy nominated, toured around the world, made a couple of dollars. Then we did uh, Gorilla Zoe. Mm. You know, we had I did that for five years. Toward the end of my tenure with Gorilla Zoe, I started getting the itch to do something different. And I wanted to work with producers. And so that's how I started. I met Sonny Digital. I loved him. I was like, let's go. Sonny changed my career. Shout out to Sonny. And what, 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 where was Sonny at in his career when you first met him? Sonny had did racks, but it wasn't out. Okay. So like... Son was like, I think he had just turned 18 or he was 18. He had just turned 18. So he had produced this. Zoe was doing like these mixtapes. He was doing like a mixtape a day for a month. So he would literally wake up in the morning, record like eight to 10 songs and upload them to the mixtape site. I think it was a live mixtapes or my mixtape. I that can't remember. Huh? That piff maybe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, he needed beats and Sonny was supplying these beats. And um, when Sonny was supplying these beats, we loved him. I loved him. I was like, I want to get with this guy. So I got with him. He had already signed a production, pre-production deal with another company. And so I couldn't like, we couldn't sign him. But I did like, I could manage him. So once, so I started managing him. We just started, 
I introduced him to Two Chains, you know. So they did like mm. Ten Summers, him and Ross. Then they came back and did birthday song. Mm. Huh. I was like, hey, I like this management game, you yeah, know. Yeah. So uh so they introduced me to some of his friends, uh, D Rich, B Weezy, um, mm. then Metro came along. Um, and we just we just been rolling, you know. What made you want to go work with producers more like after you finished working with artists? Like what attracted you to yeah. them? Um with producers, with artists, for example, it just takes so much out of you mentally, mm. emotionally, spiritually, physically. It's just like, it was just so much. Like, you can only do, like, to me, I feel like you can only do two or three really good, um, just bandwidth-wise and just, like, time-wise because you just be consumed and un- unindated with, like, just, like, it's just so heavy. You have to really be in tune. And so but with producers... I had these relationships and connections, so I just needed the beats. You know what I'm saying? So if like if you gave me the beat, for example, there was a guy okay. out of Texas I started working with, Youngstar. He gave me a beat CD, and I was like, I'll just go get these beats to two chains, and that's how I love them strippers came about. You know, mm-hmm. came to plug. Oh, yeah, I, I, I would burn the records to us. I mean, the CDs, the um, beats to a CD. I would listen to them. I'd put them in order by the way that I think they were the best. Um, I love them strippers. Number three on that CD, you know, mm-hmm. I gave it to Two Chain. He was like, he was give, he was, I mean, he was riding around um, the country on the tour bus, and he was like, "Reek, we got one," you know. And that's how that happened. So, for me, producers were was a way where I could still have a life mm-hmm. and not just be like just so like my whole personal life was just consumed by these artists. I could work with producers, and it's not just like. I could I could still do other things mm-hmm. outside of just like managing people, you know. So what, were you, oh. what what what's the most tedious thing for an artist? Uh, well, the artist uh, t- to be an artist to be successful, to me that you have to kind of like be really really selfish, you know. You have to just it has to be all about you. Right. There's some the, some good ones like you know Dr. Dre. He was a producer and an artist, and then but like the artists, most artists, the successful ones, they're very like selfish, you know. Like but. A producer, like an artist, it's hard to say, hey, look, I hear this song. I think this is my best song on my album. You can have it. Most artists are like, crazy? You know what I'm saying? But a producer, I with producers, I could be, they could be like, hey, look, here's my best beat. I give it to you. They're not mm-hmm. like, I mean, they want to help you. And, and some artists, some producers are artists too. But I feel like artists, it just takes a lot. It just took a lot out of me, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just didn't want to deal with that every day in and out, like, of just being with around people all the time, you know, because it's, well, if okay. you're successful, think if about you, it, like, with Jock, you know, he made the Forbes list, and if you're successful, which you want to be, you're going to be with these people more than you're going to be with your family. Right. So, like, we did it, I clocked the tour, I think we did, like, 150 shows one year, and wow, like, man. 160 the next year, so it's like, wow, it's probably just, like, so you got to adapt to their lifestyle and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, you, you really got to like each other. You know, that's what I realized. <laughs> so like, because, um, and you have to plan, like, you have to plan the fun because the, the you know, the pain is going to schedule itself. Mm, so you plan mm, the fun, right? Mm. So we would have days where like, okay, Mondays, you're off job. Like, because we would just be doing these shows. And, and at some point you're like, well, how much money is enough money? And then you ask another question like, um, how much makes you happy? You know what I'm saying? And it's like, we were on the road, but then people started. After I realized, I don't know why this number is true, but it seems like after about two weeks of being around people, you just don't want to be around those people no more. So mm-hmm. I would always take breaks, you know, so we should take breaks and, like, get away. I don't want to see you, don't want to see me. We just... 
go do whatever and then come mm-hmm. back and regroup. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to schedule those in. I think I was learning early on. I didn't know that. But now I just try to schedule in those breaks because we all need a break and we all have lives outside of right. music. Come back fresh and stuff Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. People like to do stuff back then. You know, you, you didn't go online to pay your bills. Like, people just wanted to go to the phone, you know, pay their bills. They want to go get a haircut from Be their barber. Yeah. Mm. You know, they want to go see their auntie. They want to eat. <laughs> like, they want to do things that normal people do, you know? Mm. Now, with like, with producers now, are you... Why do you think it's hard for... Why do you think it's easier for a producer just to give away, like you said, their number one beat, or because it's not as like a vote? It's not vocally you expressing like an idea or something yeah. about you, or mm, I think honestly, because they wanted a, the producers. He wants to see the best in the artist. You know, he wants to see. So it's a different perspective. So he wants to give the artist the best version of themselves. So he's like, hey, look, if I have this for you, you can have this. If I don't have it, maybe I can create it for you. You know, right, right. the best can't create it like I don't have let me hear what you got and let me see what you're missing and which way your vibe is where you're going here's something I heard it if I don't have it let me go back to the vault and cook up something and I'll be right back with it you know Mm -hmm. Um, since we're we're on the topic of artists it brings us to our first uh, question from the community Um, this is from Kickback Couture shout out to July we definitely uh, mess with July um, she said, what habits do your most successful artists have? And I'm going to add producers onto that yeah. as well. Yeah, because nowadays I want to make, there's, sometimes there's no differentiate. It's hard to differentiate between a producer and an artist because some artists are producers, some right. producers mm-hmm. are artists. So, right. like, but I feel like um, some of them have the same traits, you know. It's just a little different. But I feel like the mo- most important, some of the most important traits are, like, uh, talent. I mean, people take it for granted, like, but you really do. I feel like you have to be talented. I've heard some songs that, like, oh, I didn't really care for that song, but uh, to be sustained, to have a sustainable career over a long period of time, you have to be talented, in my opinion. I feel like you have to have um, work ethic. Like, so there's a saying that um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that, you know? Um, So if you look at guys, like, in any profession, I think... Well, Malcolm Caldwell had this 10,000 hours thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I was just reading the story of KD. Like, he basically lived, ate, and breathed basketball for, like, his first up until, like, up until now, till probably until mm-hmm. he just got hurt recently. So um, it was just you have to be consumed with it. And to be the best, you just it has to be all about that because then you got people gunning for you. And so you have to have that work ethic. Um, I feel like you have to have like um, relationships and connections because if you have talent, you have work ethic, but you don't know anybody. And now the internet makes it a lot easier. Sorry about that. So, um, but if, for example, I beats, he was work hard worker. He had the talent, and then he met me, and then he sent me some beats, and I sent them to Oliver. Oliver gave it to Drake, and now here's a guy who didn't speak English at the time. He did the Galchester record for Drake mm-hmm. and got a placement. You know, um, so for example, Bobby Johnson, you know, he was producing in Germany. He was a kid. He was in college, um, and he sent these beats to Q, one of my former clients, and Q wrote, made this song, OG Bobby Johnson. Right. Me and Tunde signed him. Shout out to LVRN. Um, and, you know, he got this placement with Beyonce, you know. So, and we connected him. got some other good stuff going for him, but he, he made those connections, you know, and then that that plays a big role into it. And um, like your skills. Is that something that 
uh, when a producer looks for a manager, if they're not necessarily as good as the networking aspect, is that something a manager will do for them? Yeah, definitely. And now if you're looking for a manager, certain things you should look for in a manager, you definitely want to look for someone who has relationships and connections because um, if you if you know the right, if the manager has those connections, then he or she can make calls and make things happen. They can help fast track what's already going. Now they can't just move a train that's like totally stopped, mm. but they can't help fast track something, in my opinion, that's going, you know? Mm. And But they can't want it more than you and they right. can't be outworking you. I've heard so you a lot talk of times I feel myself like, damn, do I want this more than the artist or the producer? Am I outworking them, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and that's another reason why I have like multiple clients because I'm always, be, I'm like inundated with like requests and sometimes I feel like I can't fulfill the request and it, it, it really aches me like inside because I'm so competitive. It hurts me when I feel like, oh, we didn't make this album. Oh, I didn't get this. Man, I know they were looking, they were asking me and we just didn't go to that session or we couldn't make this happen. So I really want to be like, have the bullets. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I need the bullets. I got the, I got the guns. I got, yeah. I need the guns. I need the, I need the ammunition. Let's go, oh, you no. know? You know, yeah, let's load up. So yeah, definitely. Um, you want to look for someone who's passionate. I actually wrote this down because um, it's on the manager side too. So a lot of times what, a manager doesn't know, doesn't know he can he or she can make up for him passion. I'd rather get have one passionate person on my team than ten people who are just like, oh, I don't know about this. Cause if I if a one passionate person, they could really make a big difference. You want to look for someone who has um access to finances. Not that they should be financing your career, but you wanna sometimes you need to make that trip to New York or LA or you need mm. to get that laptop fixed or you need to like getting in the studio with whoever, you know? Yeah. And then the manager would be like, hey, look, I got you, bro. Boom, let's get this. Mm. We'll get it. We'll figure the rest out, you mm. know? Um, you want someone who has leadership ability. Um, because when you go in certain rooms, I mean, someone has to be the adult in the room. You know, someone, mm. if you're in hostile situations, which I've been in some, you need to, if you need to go talk to the police or if you need to go talk to the fire department about, hey, look, we're about to shut this club down, you know? You can't be out there like, high as a kite, you know? So you have to be like, go out there, look, sir, you know, boom, you know, and talk the talk, you know? Uh, you want to look for someone who's likable, you know? I would do something for people I like. If I can, if I can, I'd rather do it for a person that I really like. Hmm. If I don't like you, I had a friend, he was a rep, and uh, so he had access to these tickets, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, that when they have access to tickets, people, hey, so-and-so, I need tickets to the such-and-such -such show. And if he calls you, like, and you're a butthole, like, you never looked out for him. You never gave him, him or her props or, did you know, helped him out. And you ask him for something, it's like, I don't even like you, you know. You're asking me, and, but he'll probably do it for you if they like you. Hey, oh, that's so-and-so. Hey, let him in, mm -hmm. you know. Um, then you want to look for someone who has vision, you know. Um, someone who... You may be here, but I can see you. I could probably see you in a Vegas residency, you know? Okay, mm -hmm. we're in this room mm -hmm. now, but I could see you doing tours. You know, I could see you chart topping. I could see us traveling the world. You want to have, get with someone who has vision, you know, and it's different from sight. You know, so, so many people mm -hmm. actually have sight, but they don't have no vision, you know? Dang. No, that's, I like that. Yeah. Um, no. Oh, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was going to say, because I, um, when you said you got to be consumed by it, and I was thinking of this clip I seen on Gary Vee's Instagram where he was talking to um, some like up, uh, aspiring artist that came up and asked him a question. Mm -hmm. And he was saying like, you need to be in the mud. You don't need to have a job. 
You need to just be 100% every day, all day, making music, doing mm-hmm. whatever it takes. Who cares if you have money or not? Mm-hmm. Do what it takes. You know what I mean? How do you feel yeah. about artists and producers having uh, full-time jobs in the beginning? Well, I think it depends on each person's personal situation, you know, like, um, because I don't know, like, the, I always, one of the first things I do when I do work with a client, I want to know, like, the scope. I want to know what what's the, what needs, what's happening, what needs to happen, you know? So if you're married, and you have kids, obviously that's not going to work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> At all? Yeah, I would not. I, it would be hard for me to tell a, a grown man, hey, look, man, you know, and you, it depends on the age too. And they're like, hey, look, I just want to pursue this. But you're like, you don't. So I feel like success is different, you know, because you could be, I would hate for you to be a success in the business and a failure at home. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So now you're saying success, but you're like, oh, I put it all on the line. But if you do, I mean, what are you doing this for, you know? You have to define what success is for you. Now, for me, like, it's real easy for me. I have a daughter now, two years old. It's like, it defines, like, what can I leave to her? What am I doing? Is this something that's going to help her, benefit her? Then it, my vision is clear, you know? But if it gets to a point where it's like, look, this is not working, or if I can't make it happen in the music, I would have to go find something. I can't be like, oh, I'm just going to make it for the music. Like, but hey, I can't, she can't pay for daycare, you know? Mm-hmm. She can't pay for school, so it's got to make sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like, even when Barry Gordy, like, he borrowed the $800 to start Motown, his family, he had to write out a contract. And he and it wasn't working for him at first. Like, he he asked, I think he went and got another a part-time job. He had to pay wow. the bills, you know? So I, I can't speak. I love Gary V, but I think each person's situation is different, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go against what someone says. If someone says that, hey, if you want to follow that path, you. But me personally, I could not sit back and, like, see my family struggle or people I love. And I'm not being able to uh, provide for them. And I've had clients who are like, "Look, I can't make it, so I'm get. I'm not making it. Not that I can't make it, but until I do get to the point where I can be like fully in- engulfed into it, I have a part time job. Or I have a nighttime mm-hmm. job. You know, because mm-hmm. sometimes that that I'm telling you, nothing drove me more to go hard at school." Until when I, it was so cold outside and I was at Kroger and they say, hey, Rico, it was cold and rain. They say, we need some buggies. I'm like, it's cold, it's rain, it's snow. <laughs> like, who you think going to go get them? Right. I was like, I'm studying my butt off because I knew I didn't want to do this rest for the rest of my life. <laughs> right, right. You know what I'm saying? If you knew that, if you know that you got to make it, I mean, nothing's going to go harder for you than you'd like, oh, look, I'm frying chicken. Yo, this ain't it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that motivates you more. Like sometimes having that little job, I, I tell interns, I tell kids when I go speak at colleges, get an internship. And I say, because when you get the internship, you're on someone else's time. It's your time, but you're still in school. So you like, you're learning what you like and what you don't like. So if like you're in a studio session, some studios let you smoke and you realize, damn, I don't like smoke. Like you might not want to be a freaking engineer. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Because you're going to be around this all the time. You know, if you don't like, not that all artists or some artists may yell at you. You know, this might not be the, maybe you need to be like the accountant, you know, for the studio. I don't know. But once you're in those positions and you do those internships, you can figure out what you like and don't like. It would be hard. Yeah, I would hate for you to get in, become a lawyer. You went to school where you, well, you knew you had to read to become a lawyer, but you realize, damn, I don't like to read. I'm like, this is not going to be a good career path for you. You know right, what I'm saying? Right. Or if you have a bad attitude, but you're the tour manager. So... You oh got to speak to the venues. You got to sell up. You got to do everything. And you represent the artist at the, on the front level. Like, man, you might should be the cook because you might <laughs> need to be in the kitchen because you going to mess up everything. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Mm. So 
I feel like each situation is different. And if you have a situation where, like, if it's a parent or somebody that, you know, is in dire straits and you need to go get a job to get it, I would say do that. I would I would consider I would be happier for you than you just sitting around if you're not making no money and, like, just letting stuff slide. Thanks. I want to I add to that, too, like, a lot of a lot of producers and artists they look at getting a job as just like like people look at getting getting a job as just like it's something that is just gonna kill you and it's sometimes it's something that you have to do yep. you know even even though it's your dream and stuff it may yeah. not look like your favorite artist oh they never they may not they may have had a job before you know mm-hmm. you know just you might you may need a little boost you know mm-hmm. yeah but people yeah. are scared to get jobs yeah no like it's, it's, gonna, it's been times where like yeah. the 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 way the music money works in the music business is cyclical, right? right? So, like, if you're a writer, you sign the BMI, ASCAP, CSAC, whatever, you get paid quarterly, right? And then if you do a publishing deal, you might get paid, depending on which company, you might get paid quarterly or you might get paid semi-annually. So, so if you're used to getting a check, I remember my mom, she told me, she was like, I could never be a manager. I could never do the music business because you don't know what you're going to get. If you're a person who likes to plan and work things out, so you it's hard because you don't know, like, it's checks that I haven't got paid for in two years. I'm still waiting. I know Sonny talked about this. We're waiting on checks. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if the artist and the producer's waiting on check, guess what the manager's doing? And we mm-hmm. only get a percentage of a percent. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So it gets even deeper. So, um, no, but I, I totally feel you. I'm like, hey, look, do what you got to do and make a choice. And if if you're worried about what other people think, then you're already on the wrong path, right, you know, right, to success. Right. You're on the wrong path because... Like at the end of the day, you have to be fulfilled and you have to be happy, you know. Right. So, I, I had a question. Um, I, before we started talking about like getting a job, we start. You were t- mentioning vision. Yeah. What are some practical steps to help someone develop vision that doesn't have vision right now? Yeah, I ask them. I want to know, like, when I sit down with clients, I ask them, "What are your short term goals? What are your long term goals?" You know, I ask them like. I, I, meet, I met a young lady at the at the grocery store the other day. She's like, I'm going to go to college. And I'm like, well, what you want to do? She's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, what do you like to do? She's like, I don't know. What would you do for free? I don't know. I'm like, you need to really sit down and think. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just like, what what do you do like for fun? And some people, are, I, heard, I forgot the percent, but it's a large percentage of Americans hate their jobs. They just do it to pay bills. Right. You know what I'm saying? They don't actually love what they do, you know? I think it was like 30% of people actually love what they do, you know? Mm. Um, but don't quote me on that. Mm. So, but if you, I feel like so many people get consumed by money that they don't look at like, dang. Because after a certain amount of money, we figured this out. Like after, I, I don't know if it's 70000 whatever, but after your basic needs are fulfilled, right. money doesn't make you any happier. So like if you're, if you're a millionaire and if you're three dot, three times millionaire, the three times millionaire is not happier than the millionaire. You see what I'm saying? He's probably yeah. not happier than the guy that makes 85000 right. if I had to guess, you know. But I'm going to tell you this. From my personal experience, when I got like a large sum of money, I walked outside. I said, this shit still feels the same. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I still got to go to the bathroom three times a day or whatever. Mm-hmm. I still got to eat. <laughs> I still got to go on, do whatever I got to do. I still got to do everything that normal people do. Only thing it makes the quality of my living better, you know? So now I have a bigger TV. I got a bigger car. If anything, it might become a little more inundated with, like, requests for, like, hey, Rico, can you do this? You know, I got people asking me for stuff I would never ask people, you know? Not like, <laughs> hey, can you borrow $20? Like, how about $20,000? I'm like, what? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so it's like, um, but the vision, I feel like, 
find out what you like, what you want to do, and then have someone who maybe if you don't know someone can see that in you. You know what mm. I'm saying? So a lot of times I'm always reading. So books take me places I've never been. Also traveling took me places. I, when I went to like France, I went to see like Claude Monet's house. I fell in love with flowers. So I go to different countries. I went to Yugoslavia. I saw like mm. the Twin Cities. So I see all these things and it just motivates me. And, and I actually... Another way I give, I help people with their vision. I actually, when I sign clients, because I have comp- guys signed to me too, not for management, for like publishing. I take them on a trip to LA purposely, intentionally. We go to Beverly Hills and I take them to Rodeo. Just so they could see. Yeah, everything. they see like, right. I remember my brother when he, he got on his first <laughs> flight, right? And we went to LA and he, we checked into the uh, this house in Beverly Hills and he walked in and he was like, I got to get me some money. So I'm like, this is not the money that you can... It's not going to get it a nine to five money. This is not mm-hmm. that kind of money. Like that's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about, like uh, working at a whatever store. It's not going to get this these things. But I do that on purpose. Like I take them to Rodeo. We walk around Beverly Hills and we see like the 90210. What is the nicest? Mm-hmm. So now you can see it. And once you see it, you can, I believe you can achieve it. Like mm-hmm. I got Glizzy in town right now. Like I took Ron Smoke to LA. But I got Glizzy. He's up here from North Carolina. So I'm just taking him around like to the studios. He met like Quay, Tay Keith. Jetson. So now he's seeing this. He's only 18. He's like, oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? It becomes see, possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it it's not real. like I just hear about this, right. but I actually could touch this guy. Right. You know, I shook his hand. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like when Block, shout out to Block too for when he would take me to those meetings, like whether it was me and Kevin Lyles or Puff or with Leor or Craig and Julie at Atlantic, he would take me in those rooms. And now I see how the, the, the biggest of the biggest, the biggest execs thinks, you know? And so that's, I, I, listen, I listen and learn, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, let's uh, let's go to um, a fan question here. And this this one might be the biggest one here. Uh, shout out to my best friend, Jacob. He said, what does a producer need to have going for them before they get management involved? Fact. What should a producer expect from a manager? Yeah. I feel like you'll know when it's time for a manager, like when things, when it becomes too much for you. Like to focus on the creative so if, like if you're having to like it becomes so much of a, a hassle so much so much more that you can't really focus on actually your creative path so like but if you're just sitting at home like every day and like I, nothing's happening i need a manager mm. you actually don't need a manager you know yeah. what i'm saying but if you got stuff going um you got maybe got a you're getting ready to get a placement or you have a placement or a big placement or something coming up or someone wants to sign you you may, I would say get a lawyer before you might need a manager because you might need the lawyer to look at the management contract. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So, I feel like that's a little gem right there. Right? Yeah. That's a little gem. Yeah, so, because um, so many people have signed contracts before they got a manager and before they got a lawyer, and then they get the manager, and, then, and we look at the contract, we're like, bro, what did you sign, you know? Mm. Or the lawyer looks at it like, did you let him sign this? Like, no, I'm just starting to manage him now, you know? So, get your lawyer first, you know, because you're going to need the lawyer to negotiate your contracts with your manager. And if you if their deals do come through, if you're going to be a producer, you, ideally, hopefully, you'll be getting placements. And then the lawyer can help set up your business structure. Um, and so when this money coming in, it can flow the proper way, you know, for mm-hmm. tax purposes. Um, but for the artists, I feel like you will know, and each case is different, but say, for example, Sonny had just did Racks on Racks um, so we wanted to sign We wanted to start working with him I knew I wanted to introduce him To some other people And help him And I know he was talented He was a hard worker He just needed A little more oomph You know 
And, uh, and that's what we did. Mm. Now, when you said uh, guys are just, you know, sitting at home and they're like, man, nothing's happening. What kind of things like, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, you don't have a lot of connections, you might be in the middle of nowhere. What, what yeah. can you start doing? Yeah, I feel like producers listen very close. Your beats do you no good on your computer. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Upload them to YouTube, upload them to Beatstars, upload them to wherever. Get them out there. You SoundCloud. Because they're like, what if somebody steals it? It could be the best thing that happens for you, right? Mm -hmm. right. So if like a big artist steals one of my guys' records, I just say, thank you. You know, I kind of wait. Like if it hits number one, if it's like number two, I'll wait a little longer till it hits number one, you know, because then it's number one. There's nowhere to go, right? You know, so... And then we can start a negotiation process um, because we can go get your money if, if you have your uh, files and everything in order properly. So um, producers, if you don't chase the big artists, chase the next guy. Like um, the, your guy that's sitting next to you could be the next thing. If you're in college, it could be your college roommate. It could be your college buddy. It could be the guy in class that you like. Like, that looking crazy that you always look at like, yo, what is dude wearing? You know what I'm saying? He could be the next one. So get with those guys that are around you. If they're not around you, get with, just spread your beats out. You know, like, put them, put them different places. Like, have someone. There's so many, like, avenues for producers now, like, to get their music out there, you know, that, that you didn't have then. Like, you know, I was reading a, the story about um, Lil Nas X got this beat for like what I think it was thirty dollars. Right, right, yeah. yeah, was it Beat Stars or something, something like that? Yeah, so it's like you know, I'm like get your music out. It does you no good on your computer, you know. But then right there is a good point because someone might think of like a producer might be like, yo, what if I had the next Lil Nas X and he bought it for thirty dollars? Yeah. It's gonna be on number one. I just yeah, got thirty dollars for it. Yeah, but look, this is the thing, right? This is the thing. That's just an advance, right? So mm -hmm. say if he got $30 for that. He paid $30 for the beat, right? Mm -hmm. Even though it was like a sample. A on, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's a sample. But now the record becomes a hit, right? Right. I don't know if Sonny told y'all the story about Rax, right? I don't know if he told y'all. Did he tell y'all? Mm. I can't What's remember. Rax on Rax, like, he bought sold the beat for $300, oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, but his first royalty text was like six figures, you know what I'm right, saying? Right. So, like, you could give the beat away for $1. Like, if Jay-Z said, I want a track, I would ask for advance, but if he says, nah, bro, I just need this beat, I'd be like, okay, Jay-Z. You know what I'm saying? I know you're yeah, being yeah. there, but yeah. if it becomes a hit, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I wasn't gonna, I'm not gonna trip because the money is not in the advance. So many people get caught up in the advance. Mm. And I've seen producers lose placement because they the advance wasn't high, right? Well, high enough. So I'm like, so you're gonna take, you're gonna refuse short money and you you miss, you miss, you, you're thinking wrong. You're just mm. looking at this totally wrong, right? So you get the advance, which is normally it's recoupable anyway. So if they give you a thousand dollars, you gotta make that back before you see a royalty check. But if you if they only gave you one dollar, then you don't have to make that, then you all this profit. But I know the producers at home, they gotta pay bills, they want a car, the guys mm -hmm. made that he has made a beat on their track and he's doing shows every week, every day. And you're like, man, so I get that part, but Get the placement. I'm telling you. Trust me. You'll thank me later. If you mm. see me, just buy me a drink. Like, I'm so glad you told me to give him that beat. Because if it becomes a hit, so Nas X became a hit, right? I don't know um, what Keo got, you know, but I think it was a big deal because he signed a publishing deal with UMPG, you know, and they're mm. one of the big publishers. If I was his manager, it would have been really, really big. I think mm. Vic, Stephen Victor knows what he's doing. So 
I know they went and got the bag, you know? Mm. So so when you're selling a beat, like if I got my Beats, Beatstars website <laughs> and I'm selling my beats for, I got a $45 lease, the $45 is just an advance on the money that's to well, come off the record. Well, if leases, that means you don't completely own it. Then they have exclusive. So if you, if it's exclusive, and then they could you could probably work out the terms for the lease and then it becomes a hit. They were like, hey, let's redo this. Let's, I want to mm-hmm. own it now. Then you might have an exclusive price. But it's just an advance against royalties. Some of it is, most of it is, most of the time it's recoupable. So mm-hmm. when an artist, when a producer gets a placement, they say, you're going to ask you, well, what's the advance? And they say, say, for example, they may say $7,500 on the high, 10000 whatever. And then, yeah, once you get that 10000 that's just an advance against what you're going to make on the back end. Okay. So don't miss the placement for like, you know, Just for the, yeah. because it's not a large Yeah, because the advance is not large because if it becomes a hit, then we're going to all be rich. You see what I'm saying? Right, right. right. Now, speaking of advances, um, been talking to a lot of people about um, publishing deals and stuff like that lately. Mm-hmm. And mostly everyone says like, yeah, you know, pretty much it's just a loan. It's just an advance. Like, mm-hmm. how do you feel about producers saying, forget a, forget a pub deal and just waiting on that money? Well, you can wait, but if you don't have a, if you don't have someone to collect the money, you'll never get the money. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? So in, in the music business, they have what's called like, you have to issue like licenses. And you have to like, the music has to actually be licensed and someone has to collect the money. So if I, if I did a beat on ASAP Rocky, but I never did a publishing deal, you, would, you may get your royalties, but you won't get your mechanical royalties. You may get your producer royalties because you signed an agreement, but you would not get your your mechanical royalties from publishing from the records that sold because you don't have a publisher in place to collect that money. You don't know how to do that. You see what I'm saying? And it's bigger than just the U.S. It's like territories all over the world. So if you go to like Medium, that's in the south of France and, and Con, some publishers, all they do is they go there to meet all their sub-publishers. So imagine, you know, the U.S. is just one territory. It's the biggest territory. You got like Japan, you got all these, imagine hundreds of territories across the world, right? And money in your song is played across the world. And you don't you didn't do a deal, so who's gonna collect the money? Mm-hmm. Even if it's an admin deal, at least someone, if you do an administration deal, they take a larger percentage, you still own the copyright, but they collect the money for you. You see what I'm saying? Right. And they get they have deals in place to go to each territory because no one can collect money for you unless they have a deal with you. But if you don't have a deal in place, you'll never get the money. And there's so much money each year. It goes in what's called a black box. So if songs are not collected, money is not collected over a certain period of time, it goes in what's called a black box. And after that, and the black box is split up between the, the majors who own the... So if you don't do a deal, they're like, okay, cool. He won't collect his money. We'll put it in his box. And after so many years, I think it's three years, they'll just split it amongst themselves. Wow. wow. And you'll never see the money. I remember asking about that because I always wondered, I was like, is can someone just buy, like, let's say I know this guy didn't, do an admin deal. He didn't do yeah. anything. Can I just bid on getting this money, like, like claiming his record? But I guess you say you just go. You have to. Black you box. get with him and be like, hey, look, let me collect this for you. I'll take whatever percent, mm. and then you'll do the licenses in each territory. Mm. Some mm. publishers and go get the money from. Once you collect your piece, you get. Once you recoup whatever you gave him, mm-hmm. then he gets the rest. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So if a producer oh. is patient, and they're like, you know, I don't, I don't need a big advance right now. They got a, a big record out. Mm-hmm. Would you recommend just hey take the take the admin deal? Yeah, so? if you if you don't need the money, I would recommend the admin deal, right? Because um, in each situation is different. A lot of producers they need a car, they want a car, they want a house, they want a equipment. You see what yeah, I'm saying? I say be patient. Yeah, it's hard to say be patient when you 
when your baby mama like, look, man, right. shit ain't working for you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> about to take you to court. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> or like, hey, you know, I need, mom needs to have this surgery, you know, or my mm-hmm. uncle, you know, different things. I need to get out of my auntie's house. She's tripping, you know? She, I'm playing this music all night, and she's like, I don't want to hear that. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So it's each person's situation different. But if you don't need the money, take an, take a do an admin deal, low it. Low advance, or it could be high advance. You could, but you could still. It's still admin. You still own it. You know what I'm saying? But nice. if, if you want to cash out, you like, hey, look, I need this. I want a studio just like this. I want a house. I want to live right next to. I don't know. I want to live next to Jermaine Dupri or whoever. You know, I want. Oh, you, I need this money. You know, I want this car because I need to pull up a certain way. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't advise that, but I get it. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Were you about to say something? Yeah, I got sure. yeah I do. What type of deal? Okay, the admin deal, and then what's the other deal that gets you the large advance? So, so you you have three types of deals. Normally, you have like generally speaking, you have like the single song deal, right? right? So it's just one song, and then um, and then you have a admin deal. It could be like generally admin is anywhere from five to fifteen percent. You know, maybe twenty percent on the high end is what they take, and they just and are collecting. It they for just you. collect your money. Okay. You own it. You have to prove everything. You have to sign off on everything. And that's the same for a single deal as well. A single well, song. Well, it depends. Yeah, it could be a single song admin deal or it could be a single song co-pub deal. You see okay. what I'm saying? But it could just be for that one song. Okay. You could be like, look, hey, this is, I just got this one song. I just want to get my feet tested. See if, I don't know if I like you. I don't know if I trust you like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. See if what you do on this one song. Gotcha. If I like what you do on this or I got this one song that's going. And the same on the record side. They like you know, a lot of times you might get a single deal. They mm-hmm. like that, and it goes into there may be an option for another one, maybe mutually agreeable. Maybe like you have last final say, so you be like, no, I want to do it. I don't want to continue to do business. And then there's a co-publishing deal, full co-publishing deal where you give up half, half for the copyright. Generally, you ask they ask for a larger advance. The uh, producer or the writer asks for a larger advance, and then. The uh, publishing company owns or co-owns these copyrights for a certain amount of years, um, depending on how you negotiate it, you know. Mm-hmm. There may be reversion clauses and there may not, you know. Mm-hmm. So what is, oh. Not what? So wouldn't you say they own the copyright? Co-own. Co-own the copyright. What is, like, what is the copyright of? Is that just my, that just declares my ownership of this Yeah, record? so just by default, just by copyright law in the U.S., if you make a beat, and I rap on it. We mm-hmm. co-own the copyright. Okay, just gotcha. by just that's just they made it real easy. Mm-hmm. But now, if we start monetizing it, and another company wants to monetize it, then they have to do a deal with you. That's why a company can't just pick your record up and just put it out. They have no. to do a deal with you. Is a copyright different from a master from owning the master? Um, it it is different. So the master is like the underlying composition. So you have the you have like you have the you have the musical bed, and then you mm-hmm. have the music that's on the bed, which is the that 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 goes to it, which is called the um what's it called? Like so, you have the music, which is the mu- the actual notes, the music. Mm-hmm. Then you have the the uh the top line, which you know, is so, the sounds. Yeah, no, the top line is the lyrics. So okay. that combined together makes one hundred percent. So mm-hmm. the music makes fifty, and the and the lyrics make the other fifty, okay. and put it together. That's a hundred. So imagine a pie, right? Mm-hmm. Music, lyrics, one hundred percent. That's the copyright, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you finish it, that's a master. And then if they want to use that, then they have to they have to pay you. You know. Mm. 
That makes sense. That makes sense. Now, you just said uh, you were talking about how it depends on how you negotiate. Mm -hmm. um, I heard you talk about in a past interview, you were kind of dropping some gems on uh, negotiation tactics. And you said you should you should try to always mm -hmm. be ready, be prepared to walk away from a deal. No, I say if you want the best deal, but I don't advise that, you know, because you could lose the deal. Right. So there's a good deal. I said, there's, I said, you could get a good deal, a good deal. Let me think of how I said this. So a good deal is when both sides are happy, right? You know, um, you gave a little, they gave a little. A great deal when you pushed hard, right? You you gave, you really, really pushed. And you could have probably pushed for more, but you're like, everybody's still happy. You hit them, but you didn't hurt them, you know? But a, a great deal, to me, the best deal you could have is the one where you may be able to, you may lose the deal. Excuse me. But if you lose the deal, say if it's a million dollar deal, and you go, I'm gonna get, I, I think I should be 1.5. I feel like, a, I feel disrespected. I should be 1.2, you know? I'm like, that's not a million dollars. It's not like you wasn't making that, right? You know right. what I'm saying? It's not like it's just like nothing, you know? Um, so I feel like that's a substantial amount of money, my, me personally. Um, but you could push and be like, I should be 1.2, I should be two. But you don't know your numbers, right? Your numbers may go up. Something might happen. You might get in between. You, God forbid, but you might get locked up <laughs> in between no, negotiating this deal. So what was now on the table is gone now. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I've seen it happen. People's like on the way to sign the deal, and something happened. So they're like, or the label look at the numbers the next week. They get cold feet. Mm -hmm. But it was all good just a week ago, you know. Mm -hmm. So I feel like if there's something on the table, I always say get in the door. Cause if I get in, I can get I can get all y'all in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. But we can all be outside knocking, trying to get in, or one of us can get in. Mm. Like, hey man, I paid the twenty dollars, bro. But I'm in. Guess what? I'm gonna get all y'all in. You know what I'm saying? I know the secrets. I learn everything. I show y'all. Get in the door. I seen people like they fighting. I'm like, bro, get in the system. Get in the door. Then, cause guess what? If you're successful, guess what you can do? You can always do it. If you're successful, it happens all the time. Ezekiel Elliott just did it. Guess what you could do? Renegotiate. <laughs> you my man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> if you put numbers on the board, they gonna be like, "What's up? What you need?" You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Hey, ain't happy, man. What you need? You see, what you need? Right, right. Ninety million, six years. I got you, man. You put right. numbers up, but mm -hmm. if you ain't putting numbers up, you know what I'm saying? Right. Then they're gonna be like, "Hey, bro, you feel that way?" Matter of fact, I feel that way too. You, we can let you go. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But they not letting Post Malone go. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Hey. What you need, bro? 200 million. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, let's back it up, backtrack a little bit. Um, when we were talking about the question where he said, well, what, what do producers need to have going for them and what do they expect from a manager? Um, so you said, you know, they don't necessarily have to be the hottest thing out. They don't really even have to have placements, right? Mm -hmm. They just have to be moving somehow, right? Yeah. I, my, most of, so for example, not always, most of the producers that I work with, they either had no placements or little placements or small placements, but they had something I, I saw in them. They had mm. talent, and I believe I saw their work ethic. You know, so most of the guys I signed, they they honestly didn't have placement. Like when I signed Young Coke, who did Trap, Trap, Trap for mm. for Rick Ross. Mm, that was a big um, yeah, he didn't have any placements. I heard his music. I jumped out of bed, and I always learned to follow the feeling, you know, because mm. I did. One time I didn't follow the feeling, it made me feel so bad. That I say, I, if I ever had this feeling again, I would never. If I had this feeling again, I would jump out of bed and I would get on a plane, go to Paris, go to wherever, London. I would go to Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. I would go wherever, you know, because um, when Zoe was doing, um, he was doing these tapes. 
And he had another producer that he was doing that made me say, I got to do this was, he was working with Lex Luger, right? Mm -hmm. And Lex was, Lex was Lex, but he wasn't Lex then, you know? Mm. And I heard these records and I was like, damn, these records are so dope. And I called him, you know, and he was in Virginia. I don't even know if Lex knows the story, remember the story, but I was like, I wanted to meet him, you know? And, and he said, hey, I'll be in Atlanta soon, right? That's, and I said, okay, cool, let's meet when you get to Atlanta. But between the time, I think he was having a baby at the time, too. So between the time of him coming to Atlanta having a baby, then he did these records for, I think, Waka and Rick Ross, and then mm -hmm. it was over. It was game over. BMF, Hammer, uh, the Waka Flocka stuff. And I was like, this will never happen to me again. I should have got my butt up and mm. booked the ticket to go to, to go Virginia. Mm. And I, you know what I'm saying? I, I should have been there, you know? Mm. So when I f had that feeling and I hear it, you know what I'm saying? Because... I'm not a clout chaser. I normally never, until I started working with Southside, I had never like managed like a high profile producer that I didn't start with from the ground up. You know, mm -hmm. even all my artists like Jock, Zoe, you know, Boys in the Hood, we all had nothing. Like we just, we all came up together. And I actually love that rise too, because when you come up together, you know, and because like imagine how Shorty Red and, and uh, Jeezy came up together, you know, how Toomp and T.I., you know, like uh, Mike Will and Future, you know what I'm saying? So every it's, that's the best. You don't have to chase and say, hey, can you send this beat? Like, no, I, that's my bro. I know him. Mm. So if I hear it and I feel it, then I'm moving on it. So I, I will take that back. If I hear it and I love it, then I'm in. You know what I'm saying? Or we may do a test run. Like, hey, look, let's see if I can get you something going. We get something going, then we can turn this into something bigger. And then what should they What should they expect from a manager once they, oh, once yeah. they got a solid manager? Yeah, they should expect um, me to, like, We'll put a plan together, short term, long term. Like we'll get their finances in order. Finances or not, like I'm gonna give you no loan or nothing like that. <laughs> no, but like get them right. Like, excuse me. Like a lot of people, you'll be surprised. They don't even have like bank accounts, you know. So yeah. I know people at banks, like get this guy set up. He should not have these checks coming to his personal name. They should come into his LLC, you know. So get him a lawyer, get his business set up, you know, get uh if there's money missing, we try to track and locate and put this put these um put the proper paperwork in place so that he can he or she can actually get paid you know so, sometimes money is sitting in sign exchange sometimes producer payments are just sitting out there nobody's reached out to the A&R admin department to say hey look when can my guy get paid you know there's money in the black yeah. box yeah uh, even my relationships connection so I'll be like hey look come around with me I'm gonna take you to meet guys from producer ground I'm gonna take you to meet take Keith and Quay and Jetson and Things like that. Like, I'll um, show you some stuff. You come over. I got equipment at the house you can cook up, you know. Uh, we'll go to L.A. We'll go to New York. We'll do different things, you know. Mm. Now, how do you feel about the friend or family um, manager? And I'm not talking about, like, yeah. someone that's friends or family with yeah. you. I'm talking about someone with no connections, may even have a full-time job themselves. Yeah, I actually like that because it falls under the position, and at least in a certain stage, it falls under. It's different to me than homeboy management because it falls under under the the passion part of it. Because your mom, say for example, if your mom is managing, she just wants what's best for her son or her or her, or her daughter. You know, mm -hmm. so she may not know it all, but she she only wants right and good for you. You know, um, but then after it gets to a certain level, you want to either bring in a co manager who gonna who's going to professional. Because some people like Beyonce dad, you know, he was managing there and that, but he was very professional. He was already successful in business. So, but if they're professional, they know how to handle business, but they don't know the music industry, then they maybe 
get a co-manager and then they can push it through like that. But if you like homeboy management, it's like, hey, Ray Ray just got out of jail. He's going to be my new manager. And I'm like, right. what? I'm not doing this with him. You know what I'm saying? Because like, he's going to get us all killed, you know, or he's going to get like, I'm going to have to teach every teach him everything and get half, which I'm cool with like mentoring people. Mm-hmm. But like, if that's the case, like, look, sit back, just ride and I'll let you learn everything. And then once you're in a position, like, like what LeBron did with his guys, you know, um, like he had them in position. He was like, look, work with my agent. Hey, look, work with my brand manager, work with all these people. And then once they learned the business, he was like, hey, I, hey, these are my guys. Jay-Z did the same thing. Hey, look, these are, I'm going to put you in position to run with my guys and you learn the business. And once we learn it, we could take it over ourselves. Mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. What about, do you ever feel like, do you, as a manager, do you ever feel like, uh, like you work so hard and then to receive a portion of somebody's check? Like, does that ever, like, do you ever feel like battle with feeling like you deserve more or? Um, yeah, I never see what I realized when I felt like I deserved more, I went out and got more. So mm-hmm. no one will ever be able to like, I call it like holding nuts on me mm-hmm. because if I feel like you don't appreciate me or underpaying me or not seeing what I do, I'm going to go do it with someone else. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to go do it on my own and I'm going to put myself in position because I'll never let you have that power or leverage over me to say, look, because at the end of the day, we're all human beings, we're all men. And some things, money, it'll never, can't buy. Like, like, like to me, like, you cannot buy my dignity. You can't buy my respect. It's not for sale. You see what I'm saying? Certain mm-hmm. things are non-negotiable. They're not for sale. You know, my principles, like, these, this is who I am. It's not for sale. I can't be bought. If you have that in your corner, you already won because, you know, these people can't be bought. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If you got people that are, like, stand-up guys... Like, you already rich. You already wrong. So the stuff you're searching for, you already got in your corner. So when I feel like that, if you feel like that, boss up on your own, pay the cost and be the boss. Like, so I felt a certain way. I asked people certain things. They didn't want to do it. I went out and did it for myself, you know? And that way, I can never say, hey, look, this person didn't do for me. Mm. If you're not going to do it, I'll do it for myself. And I right. always, and I, and I feel good, you know, because I, I get I sleep real good at night because I know... I get, I wake up, I bust my butt, and I give it my all. So at the end of the day, if whoever says whatever, at night I sleep real good because I know I gave it my all. Right, right. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about um, studio. I heard you talk about in one of your interviews, studio etiquette, mm-hmm. and some of the some of the things producers should kind of check themselves on. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not in the studio a lot. Um, most of the time. I'm there, like, to handle business. Like, so we need to sign a contract. We're going over the track list, the album, whatever. Um, but I'll pop in from time to time to show support, you know, because people want to see where the commission is going. You know, I get it. Um, but in the event that you are in the studio, if I'm in there and I see you, like, fanning out, it's a no-no. You know, like, certain producers, certain artists is in there. You know, um, this, this is your privy to certain things. Like, so don't be in there, like, Taking pictures or trying to sneak a selfie or, you know, it's like <laughs> you know, you gonna get us, you gonna get us all kicked out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and certain artists, it actually, I would actually advise you to maybe you might want to send the beat because you're not really built for this. Like, you know, a lot you you see, we all see what's going on in Atlanta. We saw the things that happen at studios around here. So it's not like sweet. It's not a walk in the park. So you could be every day. We could be putting our lives on the line. When, when we go out here and do these jobs, you know, I just got into this because it's something I love. I didn't get in it to get in shootouts, you know what I'm saying? I'll be getting shoot at, shot at, you know? So 
Um, but I know certain things come with the territory. That's why another reason why I work with producers, you know, less likely to be like in confrontational um, situations, you know? How do you deal with those confrontations? Like, let's say you have a client who has a lot of beefs with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate that as a manager? Because well, you're a yeah, associate. I've been in situations where like two guys were really trying to kill each other, you know, and I was just like, I went to the other guy and I was like, look, uh, can this? Can we fix something? Because Atlanta's too small to beef. Like it's not mm-hmm. like in Atlanta, everybody goes to the same restaurants. We go to the nice. same club. So if you want to go smoke hookah, there's a couple of them that everybody likes. You know, if right. you want to eat a nice meal, the you know what I'm saying. You want to shop high end. You either go into Lennox, Fifth, or Bucket Shop. So you, if you got beef and y'all both got money, you're gonna run into each other constantly. Mm-hmm. So we have to either. A call a truce, or we have to like when somebody's gonna die. We gotta call a truce, or like, look, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna agree to disagree and let us live and let us be able to move. And it could be done secretly and private. Nobody has to know, or it could be like we could make a big deal about it. So when it happened, and I was in it, I was like, look, I can't get caught up in this. Look, you gonna kill this guy? Y'all want to shoot each other right now? Cause I need to know what's what. I can't be ducking. I'm not gonna be ducking out looking behind my back every time I come out of a restaurant or go to the club, you know? So I was like, hey, look, what are we doing here? You know, he's like, look, I ain't stunned him, tell him to keep my name out of his mouth. Like, Bruco, let's go. Don't say nothing about this guy no more. We good, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I actually had to be the adult and go step in and be like, look, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. So it's best, like, if you could talk to people, people don't really want to be fighting because when you, you got in it to get out of that, like, to make it better for yourself. Right. I always find it ironic. You get into a position of success and you start doing the stuff that, like, but but you have to, I have to realize, too, like, um, this is just a part of the society that we live in. It doesn't exempt you from the challenges and the issues that face society as a whole, especially as African Americans, because you get in the music business because you still may live in the, Wherever you live and your mom may live there, you might go see have to go see your auntie or your cousin. You might have to go pick up Ray Ray, cause he 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 trying to get out, but he's still there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I totally understand it. I say recognize it and face it head on and try to figure out a way to like, hey, look, navigate it, you know? Cause it's not easy. Yeah. And like you could just you could just get caught up in it, you know, before you even know it. Like, damn, how did we get back here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then uh, another good fan question is, um, shout out to Buffo on the beat. Uh, what are some common mistakes you see upcoming producers making on the regular? Uh, I say they sign agreements without like proper representation. Mm. I see That's so many one. people think like, dang, I could just sign this deal. I don't have to pay my lawyer, you know? I, was like, I don't have to pay my manager. But I'm thinking like, see, this is the, sh- I feel like that's short term thinking and that's not proper thinking in the sense of like, for example, I had a producer who was looking to do a publishing deal. And I was like, I saw the deals and the dicks, say what is that, the number was like 100K, right? Now, uh, uh, some guy could be like, you know what? I don't have a manager. I could, I could just sign this deal and keep the whole 100, right? But then think, I said, hey, look, don't sign that. Let me make one, two calls, right? So this is where the manager comes in. He's, he or she is adding value. So I'm not just coming in and taking what you're going to do. I'm going to put to the pie and then we're going to all eat more, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm bringing, actually bringing to the table too. So I say, I made a couple of calls, a couple of emails, like, boom, we got a $200,000 offer now, right? Mm-hmm. So 
Now, instead of taking this 100K offer, we took a, we got a $200,000 offer. And then I commissioned that. And then everybody eats, the lawyer, everybody eats, but you got more pot to eat too. You see mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I feel like sometimes you think like, oh, I'll do my, my, my label deal, my artist deal, publishing, and then I'll get a manager. Like, cause I'm, I'd have capped out, but you actually could have maximized your revenue streams a little more if you had someone that could negotiate for you because, or did you put this in the, damn, I didn't know about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't know about that? Now, that could have been your whole deal, right? You didn't right. ask for this. You see what I'm saying? You're trying to be greedy, but you didn't know, like, right. maybe if I gave a little, I'm actually going to get more. You see what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. you give to get. You know what I'm saying? Right. Mm-hmm. Did you ever produce? Did you ever make music? Ever? Yeah, but my beats would get us all shot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> if you hear some of my beats, you'd be like, hey, man, where my knife at? You know what I'm saying? You might, you might like, nah, I can't even shoot this dude. I need a machete. I got to chop his arm off. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I know, like, I know certain things. I used to, when I don't never bring this up, you must have did some serious homework, right? Or you just guessed. But, like, um, yeah, I did. I have equipment, like, at my spots. But, yeah, I used to, mess around when I was younger. I used to rap too, but like now I you're said. you really trying to get us Yeah, killed. yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I suck, man. I was like, it's crazy because I'm like, you know, it's when you suck, like my name was Rico B, you know? <laughs> yeah. Was it yeah. Rico B's with a Z? No, just Rico B, you know oh, what I'm saying? Rico B. Like Eric B was Rico B, you oh, know what I'm saying? That was funny. So what are your, what are your thoughts on... Um, this master plan center is coming up with the whole producer union. Now, we, we talked a lot about it at our town hall in New York. We got more of those coming up, and I'm interested to hear what your yeah, thoughts are. I like it. I'm big support. I'm like, whatever you need from me, Sonny, let me, let's go. You know, uh, there are actually some programs already in place for producers, like the Grammys. They actually have a producer wing that do some of the things that we're talking about. So I was trying to link in with them, and there's other Do you companies. have to be a Grammy winner? No, you don't have to be a Grammy winner. Uh, you don't even have to be a Grammy member, but it would be mm. great. Because I see the representations here. This is the thing. I go to the Grammys every year. I've been going for the past, uh, since Young Jock, since 2006, when we lost to um, Chameleon. And I was like, how the freak do we lose? And when I went to the Grammys, I saw how we lost. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Because if it's, if it's like 100 people in there, which is not, it's like 20,000 people. But say if it's 1,000, it's like 800 or white. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, where's where's the black youth that's that's driving the culture? That's actually, where's the representation? It's not there. You know what I'm saying? I think it's a hundred dollars a year to be a Naris member, um, but we don't even vote, so we don't. We're not even at the table, and then we get mad when so and so didn't get nominated. But I'm like, but well, did you vote? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like we're not even represented. So I want to. I'm all for all things Sonny wants to do. You know, I'm, I'm pro Sonny. Um, so whatever he wants to do, I can help him. We just, we all got to do better, you know, for, as far as like, um, becoming members. There's Grammy Youth. If you're in college, become a part of the process. You know, like we all got mad when Trump won, but you know, I think a half of Americans voted, you know? So it's like, we could have easily stopped this, you know? And the same thing like with, in the, with the, uh, system, if we don't like it, we have to, we can't just say we don't like it. We actually have to put things in place to, I vote every year. You know, I put in my, I, I'm, I'm trying to make a change. You know, I go speak to these kids. I want to influence them. I want to mentor them, put put positive thoughts in their, you know, in their ears and minds so they can see it. Because I feel like, you know, we like we spoke earlier, if you can see it, if you can hear it, you can achieve it, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Most definitely. 
So what what steps do you think, uh, as far as the producer union, mm-hmm. need? Uh, just I just want to hear your side. What steps do you think need to be made for that? Well, I, I need to get back with Sonny, but I feel like I mean he makes some really good points. You know, like producers do have rights; they need more rights. You know, and I want to we could sit down because I actually we asked that after that last um, interview that he did. We actually got on with one of the label execs, shout out to um, Lon Ray over at Atlanta. She's like, how can we help this process, you know? Mm. So is it, does this mean having a, a short form that we all agree upon this pre-negotiated? Because most producers have negotiated. If you're somewhat successful, like Sonny, you've had deals with most of the labels, right? So but why do we have to negotiate every time or renegotiate every time? I know because each artist deal is different. So that's why you have to negotiate. But if it's just a standard simple agreement that we've already pre-negotiated and those terms are accepted. We just have to look and make sure that other artists' contract um, balances out with this term and we can just push these deals through. Because what's happening is the music is not, the business side is not keeping up, it's not as uh, moving as fast as the creative side. So guys go in the studio tonight, they want to release it next week, you know, but you have to have certain things in place. And we just have to modernize the business side of it. Mm. Now, how do you feel about signing like producer decks where it's like, yeah, I'm signing this, we'll put the song out, then we'll negotiate kind of now, thing? I actually hate producer decks, you know, because I feel like once they do sign these decks um, to get it out, the artist, sometimes the producer may need money or want the money, they'll sign it. But there's no uh, incentive to like really push it through and, and bring it home. Mm. If you really, when you have the leverage, is before the record comes out. So right. get everything you need before it's out. And then, you know, they'll push it through if they really want to get it done, you know? So I understand it, but I don't like them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. And now, um, who are some of the uh, producers on your client list? Now, you, you no longer manage Metro on Southside, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So I have, uh, you go to my website, uh, I have like uh, Adela Thomas. Dot com at delthomas.net. You can see this, the full roster, but I have some really cool guys. You know, too numerous to mention, too dope to mention. Like, but I have some really cool guys. I, I advise you to go check it out, man. I'm I'm really excited. I'm happy because I've I, I feel like the next one is coming. I feel like I'm 15 years in and I'm making the biggest bets in my career. You know what I'm saying? So I'm living on the edge. I'm like, uh, like Mav said, the worst we could do is break even, right? You know Mav Carter. He said, like, the worst we could do is break even. I'm a kid from Albany, Georgia, man. <laughs> I'm on producer grind. You know, I've been around the world, man. You know what I'm saying? Thanks. I bought a couple of things, a couple of bags. You know, I drive, I rode in some nice cars. You know, it's more than that. Fits. I'm <laughs> <answering> <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more than that. But yeah, I'm, I'm living my life. Like, I never thought if they, if I, if they would have came to me in high school, like, look, and this many years, you're going to be doing this. You're going to be doing what you love. You're going to be, I'm like, what? No way. You're like, yes, wait, you're doing it. You're going to be doing it. You know, and I'm living, living my life like it's golden. Living mm-hmm. my life like golden. <laughs> yeah. And we, uh, yeah, some of those, some of the producers on the list, I know, um, you know, shout out to um, Quay, shout out to Tasha, yeah. shout out to Rowan Smoke. Yes. Those guys are real dope, man. I feel yes. like they, they're on, they're, they're a little low key now, but I feel like they, they definitely, yeah, they got I always, talent. I love the underdog, man. You know, I love betting on them. I feel like, I remember me and Tasha going down to Birmingham. I had to speak. Actually, it was Montgomery. She was at Alabama State, Tasha Couture, and I had to speak at school while I was down there. Whoa, we co-managed her together. Um, shout out to Whoa, we co-managed her, and I had to, uh, I wanted to meet her while I was down there, so I went down there, did my little talk at the school, and then we met, and I loved her at that time. She was 
I think she was just so dope. And I just saw what she could be and what she could become. I feel like she hasn't reached her full potential yet. Mm. So shout out to Tasha. Yeah, she's one of the dopest. I, I don't like to say dope female producers because she's just dope. Right, a dope right. producer, you know? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Rowan Smoke. Yeah. From Alabama. That, I had that feeling. I heard some records. These records they did with Gunna. Mm. I drove down. Early Gunna Tuska. records too. Yeah, yeah. Phase and Belly mm. of the Beast. I drove Hell down yeah. there. Um, we met at the restaurant. We came back. We did our deal. And I flew them out to, I remember the funny story with them. Uh, they were, I was on Insta, I was on Twitter, I think, and they were like, they tweeted like, hey, pray for me. I'm like, damn, what's wrong, you know? Then look, he's like, I'm about to take my first flight, you know what I'm saying? But that <laughs> makes me so happy, you know? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Being able <laughs> you know? to expose people. Yeah, yeah, stuff. man. And that's the feeling I get when I take them. I mean, I'm telling you, like, when that when I see that feeling, like, it's like makes it all worth it for me, you know what I'm mm. saying? Cause I'm giving the pan it forward. Most mm. definitely, man. Yep. Hey, man, we appreciate the gems, man. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Most right. definitely. Hit it, me up, Instagram, Twitter, Brooks Rico, whatever y'all need from me, I'm there. Yeah, this this one reminded me a lot of the uh, one we did with Carl Folks, an uh, entertainment lawyer. Mm. Who, okay. Uh, who we work with real close on the on the producer town hall series, but that one was like, like I said, it reminded me of this one, just because like we were able to to pull a whole bunch of questions from the community because. You know, when, like you said, like on the lawyer side, there's a lot of things producers don't know yep. about like, you know, what to expect from a lawyer. When do they need a lawyer? And I feel yep. it's the same way with the manager. So, mm -hmm. no, I agree. I totally agree. Like, um, so if you're out there, keep doing your thing. You'll definitely know, like, and you know, you're on the right path when I start DMing you or when the big guys start hitting you up, like, cause they going to find you. Like if you're doing your part, they definitely going to find you. And there's no longer the advantage or disadvantage of proximity because if you got guys in countries, other countries out working you out, hustling you, then shame on you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You're here in Atlanta. You should be at all these events. You should not let guys from like other places like out beat, out hustle you. Are they emailing? They out emailing you? Are you sending? Did you send out beats today? What's your pack looking like for tomorrow? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. you can't never give up because people don't see the misses. Like they don't realize I. I personally try to send out beats every day, right? I don't get a 365 placements a year, but I'm shooting shots. People don't, like Jerk said, you wouldn't put me shooting in the gym. They don't see them, but they don't know how many emails it took to get that mm -hmm. Nas X or to get that mm -hmm. Beyonce or to get that Drake placement. Like, that's a lot of emails being sent out, you know what I'm saying? And people don't have, so you can't use the excuse, so I need to be in the studio with the, with the artists, like, you might not want to be in the studio with the artist. You know what I'm saying? He may be crazy, you know? He may have guns. You may not, you may be on position where you can't be around guns, you know? Mm. Not that it's all gotta be negative, but you might just wanna, you might be the quiet type to like, I just wanna make the music and put it out there. I wanna go in and cook up, but I don't know. Each situation is different, but do not wake up and let and find out, dang, somebody outworked me yesterday, you know? Mm -hmm. That I can't, I can live with not making it, but I can't live with not I, I, someone outworked me. You know, mm -hmm. I can live with losing. If we're playing a game and I gave my best, I can live with losing that, right? But I can't live with, damn, he out hustled me. Damn, he outworked me. He out emailed me. He out whatever. He out hustled. I mean, he just, he just outdid me. I can't live with that. Mm. Definitely feel you. Now, I heard you say they'll know they're doing something when you DM. So, they got to wait for the DM from you. No, no, they don't have to wait. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> No, I'm talking about to if they want if they want to be managed by No, me. no, no, no. If you if someone if you know I live I go by trusted sources too. Like if you know one of my guys and you like one of you like 
um, that you know, and you can text or email or DM them and they can send me a link. But think about it. I still have to do all my regular work, you know, and then I still have a life too, you know. I don't just do music. I, I like to go to basketball games. I like to go to soccer games. You know, it's the mm. weekend. I like to kick it. Mm. I mess around in the yard. Um, so, <laughs> cutting um, the grass. Yeah, <laughs> not cutting grass, but mess around with flowers, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. like one of my little passions. Um, Hydrangeas. Um, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, so um, I have a life, even though I say you have to be consumed by it, but you still, it can't be the only thing you do because you got to get away from it and come back mm. and appreciate it too. So, um, but um, if you want to get with me, trusted sources, I have assistants, I have interns, I have people, there are ways to get to me, mm -hmm. you know? Most definitely, Hey, I got producer grind now. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can tell me like these the next top five. We think the next to blow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Y'all got if it, I need to incentivize and make it work for you guys. You know, hey, let me know. Let's get it. All right. And then it's uh just so they know where to go follow you and all that stuff. Yeah, my website is adelathomas.net. Brooks Rico on Twitter, Instagram. You know, like a brother. Hit me up. DM. Appreciate you one more time. Appreciate man. you. Peace, y'all. Peace. Another episode in the books, man. Hit that subscribe if you haven't already. Cool. Bye.